0: interesting to hypothesize
1: I don't know it's got my vote so if you need someone to back you up I'm here for you
0: okay well Eon you've heard it from Mark Anthony Austin you've heard it from Boba Fett he is backing me up right here on the green jet ski podcast let us make it happen Jason Statham 007 and welcome to the green jet ski podcast I'm Noah thanks for joining me well it's time once again to have another chat with my good friend Mark Anthony Austin before we get there. Special thanks once again to Vincent Santamaria for his track, Hope Dies Last. We always play it during the show, in and out. More of his great film score compositions, VincentSaint.com. But it is time for my good friend Mark Anthony Austin. And if you don't know him, well, shame on you. He's a pre and post-Viz supervisor, cinematographer, animator, director, writer. He has done some acting, a, a small piece you may or may not have heard of called Star Wars, A New Hope Special Edition. It uh, pretty much is, uh, you know, small potatoes, but he has had a hand in that as Boba Fett. And we welcome him to the show, MarkAnthonyAustin.com. Mark, it's been since uh, the new year. How are you holding up?
1: I am doing great. And I might say that it's always a pleasure to be on your show, Noah.
0: Well, you have it's such a, you, you have such a great insight on the behind the scenes of movies and how they're made, which is what I'm very passionate about here on the show. So it's always good to hear your take on things.
1: Yeah, that's where my uh, focus has become. I used to be an animator and character animation was my thing. But then in 2009, I switched over to previous and layout and cinematography. And that's where my passion lies. I I don't ever want to go back to animation necessarily. I'm quite happy being the person that creates or...
0: So, the this wasn't going to be a question, but now I'm fascinated. So why the switch? What was it inside of you or what opportunity was given to you where you're like, you know what? Now this is what I need to be doing right here.
1: It was because um, the person that came into the interview room was my ex assistant from Disney days. Mm-hmm. He said he started his own company called the third floor. And would I like to join it and do previs? And I said to him, what the hell is previous? And he described to me what it was. Pre-visualization, in other words, uh, it's taking the client's client's vision and showing it to them ahead of production or
0: construction start, which helps and a great deal. By the way,
1: it's it saves money. It saves money. It's like doing a, a blueprint before you build a house. Mm-hmm. It saves time and money. It's like doing a charcoal sketch before you do an oil painting. You just you know you're you're planning everything. It's going to turn out better. And that's what previs is for uh, final film. We plan it, execute it, mainly the most expensive sequences, and then give that to the director as a blueprint guide to shoot to.
0: And you've never looked back since you've uh, dove into the previs world.
1: Well, when you work an animation, you work on shots, and now in previs, I work on sequences. So before, when I'd be in like I'd be in the premiere for Dinosaur. Uh huh. My mother would say, nudge me every time your shot comes up, you know, so every now and again, if you have a nudge and that three seconds is my shot, you know, it's yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. but sequences, you know, it could be minutes long. So you get to design whole chunks of the movie and usually the kind of the pinnacle or the climax of the movie. And so it's much more rewarding for me personally.
0: Well, I'll tell you, and there's so many great movies now that need, it's a whole different world with the special effects that are added. You really need that previs to show them what they're going to be getting themselves into. It's a lot more in-depth, isn't it?
1: You do. It shows the effects artist what exactly is demanded of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and we actually do a rough version of it and so they do have an approach already worked out by us for them to follow and just do a much cleaner job we get literally about three hours to work on a shot for the effects mm-hmm. they get a week to work on the effects
0: so. how difficult was it for star trek beyond and this is off the cuff because i remember seeing that it's still my favorite of the three movies which people dogged it and i don't know why but that sequence where you have like just all those mini craft, they're coming at the Enterprise, destroying it, is so complex. How how complex was the previous for that?
1: The, the, the previous was unbelievably complex. Um, even at low res, there was so many of those tiny ships. We called them the swarm. The swarm. Yep. And uh, it was a nightmare. It was something that you switched off in the computer until it was time to render because it slowed everything down so much.
0: It really looks great on screen though. The finished product is amazing.
1: Yeah they wanted to if you watch kind of like a flocks of birds that do this thing called cumulation and they wanted the swarm to be kind of have this cumulation where they're appearing like they were one being moving, you know, through space. And I think we I think we pulled it off really well, but that was somebody else's expertise. My my, that was background really to the stuff I was doing. I was destroying the Enterprise,
0: <laughs> and, and that's the. I mean, it's like okay, I'm excited about this. I have this great project, but I'm destroying the Enterprise. I don't I want to do that.
1: I know it. It was, it was sad. It was a sad day. I finally, get to. I did the first shot where the uh, Enterprise comes out of warp, mm-hmm. and I was all happy. And then my next task was okay, now destroy it. And uh, really.
0: Do I have to? Oh, well, now there's rumors that the
1: Millennium Falcon. You know, yeah,
0: you it, it. it's it's actually moved beyond rumor. They're actually going ahead with Star Trek Four. They're working on the script right now. Depending on the production people involved, who knows? Maybe you could get a, a a piece of the film because I'm excited about this. It's been a long time since we've been to this reimagined version of Star Trek, which I've enjoyed.
1: I've enjoyed it as well, and I think the casting was really great as well for the main three characters. Absolutely. I mean, Chris Pine. When I first saw him, I was like, "Really, he's going to be young Kirk." But when I saw that first scene of him in the car, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, I'm
0: sold." It's not just his acting; it's the mannerisms. He's got the mannerisms of Kirk down to a science. Like he, like when he just bursts onto the bridge and he puts his hand up in the like, that's Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. He
1: definitely has taken Kirk uh, in a great direction, so I'm, fingers crossed, hoping for the fourth episode. Count me in.
0: Absolutely. Well, hopefully you get to work on it, too. Now it's time. We, we, it's been a long time coming, and uh, I don't know if we're going to line up or not. We'll see. Uh, but it's a spoiler territory, so if you still have not seen Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire, you can tune out now or fast forward in the, in the interview. This is going to be a small section of it, but... Mark, I've seen it twice. Critics are not liking it. Again, I use this as a gauge, but I don't pay attention to Rotten Tomatoes that much. Critics, 22%. The audience score, not much better, sitting at 58%. But I disagree. I thought the world building was amazing, which I think Zack Snyder is good at. There was strong acting in the characters. The villains were villains. These aren't villains. You're like, I can relate. No, you. These guys are scum of the earth, and you don't sympathize for them in any way. The visuals, including the use of slow mo, which I didn't know if I was going to like how he used it, I thought was perfection in this. And the landscapes, the space landscapes, beautiful. What did you think?
1: I hate to be negative.
0: Uh oh, here, here we go.
1: Negative, but I am in the opposite camp. Everything I was worried about uh, kind of happened. And uh-huh. I saw it once. And thinking back i can't remember many details of it and that to me is a sign
0: wow so
1: i i really just i wasn't that thrilled
0: it didn't grab your attention huh
1: it wasn't and i tell you one like this is just one example but in when you saw new hope you came out of new hope and if you, someone said to you tell me your favorite spaceship you'd be Torn? is it the Milen Falcon is it the x-wing uh-huh, uh-huh. is it the to be four uh I, I don't know is it star destroyer that's amazing uh, I, um I which one shall I choose in in this one I I they just didn't really register for me I, the, the I mean the main ship looked like a submarine in space
0: okay finally somebody that agrees that's with me I like it I'm like it's a submarine in space I guess that that is my one criticism of the movie because I like I like great spacecrafts this movie didn't really have any of that
1: i just thought it was very slow because even the first sequence first sequence where she's kind of you know out in the farmlands looking at the skies and all that it was like i was clicking my fingers like come on come on zach come on pick yeah pace. it's like it's spending way too much time in for no reason, I think. I, and what about Prince he, Tarek's he, gr- Griffin?
0: I thought maybe, I'm like, okay, Mark might like this because I thought the visuals on that and how it was blended, how it actually looked like he was touching it when he was trying to calm it down and tame it and make their part of the bet good, I thought that looked like pretty close to real life.
1: Yeah, no, special effects, unbelievable. Special effects, unbelievable, but... For me, I am more a, a story and story pace. Yes. That's my area. So for me, I I kept like trying to nudge the movie to pick up a bit of pace. Um, it, it just didn't capture me in any way, shape, or form like uh, Star Wars did. And I shouldn't compare it to Star Wars. I shouldn't compare it to a movie that came out in 1977.
0: But I think it's good to compare it to Star Wars mainly because, Mark, it was supposed to be a Star Wars movie. So it was going to be neat to see how Zach took it and made it his own thing. How do you think he did from that perspective? Like, you could see the Star Wars elements within it, but do you think from an originality standpoint, he did a good job?
1: Mm, I wish he just pushed it further. It it just seemed like, you know, Nazis in space half the time. Mm -hmm. It, It really didn't... I mean, that's what Lucas did. He took Nazi uniforms... And created a lot of the uh, imperial officer uniforms based upon those, but he took it so far that you you see that it had a core there, but he took it somewhere. I wish Sack would just take, had taken the the visuals and the design for not only the costumes and characters, but the ships and the planets as well, just a bit further to make that departure, you know, and make it his own.
0: Did you like the backdrops? Like I mentioned, one of the things I like was like a lot of the landscapes like on the planets and then especially in space, which it did get a lot of criticism from, but I thought it looked sharp.
1: As I said, I'm not holding back on the fact that it looked great because it did. It looks amazing. And uh, I just wish the story had backed up because in my view, this is an example of doesn't matter how good the visuals are. If the story isn't there, then for me, the movie isn't working as good as it should or could be
0: well i'll mention admiral noble the, the i thought the great bad guy uh, ruthless till the end and when he says i think you'll remember this scene this is perfect at the very end of the battle on the platform those words to cora he knew he was going to get knocked off it's almost like he knows something that she doesn't and for me yes it's the climax of the film but i was captivated what does he know that she doesn't know I'm like, there's something amiss here. And I don't think it was that he was going to get resurrected. I think there's something else.
1: As I said, I'm going to have to watch it again uh, before the second installment uh, just to kind of catch up on everything that I've lost from my brain. But it really, <laughs> did my brain really didn't retain that much. And, wow. and I know a good movie when I have I leave the theater or finish the movie if i'm watching it on streaming doesn't matter i finished the movie and i have brain tattoos of certain moments yep. ships planets yep. images and i really was finding it hard to sit through rebel moon I, I did it because i knew we were going to review it but a lot of it i i
0: cannot so review. if i asked you for a favorite scene you couldn't come up with one
1: no no wow. i could I, I would have to re-watch it because
0: well at least you're honest
1: I'm honest, and you know, I, and I, I hate to be negative. I, I wish I had better news. I, I, I apologize to anyone who loves this movie. I'm glad you do, and I'm glad you do, Noah. Uh, just for me, personally, it didn't jive well. You know,
0: maybe what we'll we'll have you do sometime in the coming months is to watch it again and uh, to struggle to come up with a favorite scene, or maybe you won't even have one. Maybe you'll still say, you know, what this movie's just not no no brain tattoos from this movie. It's not happening.
1: As I said, I wish I had better news. I just for me it just didn't resonate.
0: So So if you could just give it a general review out of I typically pick out of five stars, how many stars out of five would you give Rebel Moon?
1: I mean it has got great visuals. I'm being generous
0: with a three. Okay. Okay. Star Wars as the the first iteration of something. So New Hope obviously for me, five out of five. I mean, it's a pretty perfect film. This is not that. I still enjoyed it. I would give it four out of five, I think. And I think that's fair. Excellent. That's good to me. Yeah. Well, now we're going to get to not many spoilers there, but uh, maybe about the the en- the ending thing. But uh, we'll have Mark watch it again. And if he happens to like it maybe more the second time around, uh, you might be in trouble with the spoilers. But So we're going to move on here on the Green Jet Ski Podcast to something that I think is... It grabbed me, it grabbed Mark, and I'm just a little sad. Mark, uh, Rabbit Hole, the amazing show with Kiefer Sutherland, uh, it has been canceled. I mean, there is an official word, but it's very minimal at best because a representative for Paramount Plus, according to an article I read on a hit Toro, says that the company and the platform extended courteous thank yous to the cast and crew, but they refrained to explain why these shows. There was also another show as well, Uh, Back in October, they're canceled. They're not going to see a season two. I liked it. And I, I thought that the it wasn't 24. It was something fresh. It shows that Kiefer Sutherland can still bring it. Charles Dance was just amazing. And I really wanted to see a second season of this show.
1: I'm in in agreement. I really was hoping there'd be a, another one because for me, I was kind of questioning it until the very end. And then everything came together in that last episode. I remember
0: that you were like a little down and like the, like I was the, not, not the finale, but like there was three episodes in a row. You're like, I don't know if this is doing it for me.
1: I know. And, and I was starting to lose faith a little bit, but then it pulled it all together in that, in that last hour and, and made everything make sense. And, I just thought it ended so strongly. I thought, well, like, it must be a,
0: a sequel to this. Well, especially on the on the cliffhanger when they leave it, and Charles Dance goes and he picks up the the earpiece, puts it in his ear, and you're like, okay, they don't really have the bad guy. There's somebody else.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it left it open, and I like a. I was the same as you. I was sure we were going to have a second installment, and and disappointed that there's not going to be one.
0: Well, usually once a week, I look. Kiefer is still pressing hard at trying to get a 24 reboot that does involve, in some way, shape, or form, Jack Bauer. We can only hope.
1: We can hope. We can hope. I mean, I can't get enough 24. I have them all on DVD and the box sets.
0: To show you how old mine are, uh, they're, like you can, I think, probably now get it like in one like slim casing. I have the individual seasons that literally take up almost an entire bookshelf.
1: Yeah, I have the, the the book sets. I think they're divided into like four or five boxes with a disc inside. But uh, I, I'm looking forward. If they don't come out with a new 24, I'm going to go back and start with season one.
0: Well, that's what was so great about Rabbit Hole. It wasn't. I, and I guess at first, even I expected it to be 24. But by the time I accepted that, I'm like, OK, this is something different. And the character is different. and He acts differently. I was into it. And now I'm not going to get any more of that. That makes me a little sad.
1: That was what we were discussing we were definitely making that comparison early on and i i think we both had fears that it was going to be just another rehash of 24 with a different title slapped on the front and when it started taking this kind of espionage spy you know more more of a sneaky jack Bowers. jack Bowers is more action this was more espionage and you know deceitful and i really liked it and you like I said, there's uh, one part where I was, it was kind of kind slow, a bit slow for me. But at the end, it all kind of pulled together, and uh, I thought it was that much different from Twenty Four that it was worth exploring uh, another season. But
0: oh well, it so. was great because it it wasn't the Matrix, but it was in the fact that it was showing you that surface level things are not what they appear, and there's a world that is people just do not see. And it's actually kind of scary because it does kind of relate to the world that we live in today.
1: It does. It was a bit more scarier than 24, because 24, you can kind of distance yourself from it and think, oh, it's just fiction. But this was touching on real values that you encounter day to day. So,
0: Paramount is there's talk they might be sold. They're you know not doing as well as they would like to. So maybe I could see why they're making cuts. Maybe if they are picked up by somebody else, or maybe they do see some happier days. I mean, they made Top Gun Maverick. I don't see how they can't be making things work. But maybe they'll reconsider eventually one day, Mark. Fingers crossed.
1: I mean, in these kind of times, uh, I have my fingers crossed for anyone that's struggling because it's tough. It's tough right now. It's tough right now.
0: Even for even for notable successful companies, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you gotta meet the bottom line. And if you're not, I mean, there are cuts, unfortunately, that have to be made.
1: It's kind of one of those um it's the harsh reality, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a shame that it's, it, we're in these kind of times and we have these kind of economic rises and falls, but I'm looking forward to the time we pull ourselves out of this one. <laughs>
0: I think it'll come. I I, I really do. It's just going to be It's going to be a bit of a slog, but I think we'll get there.
1: Yeah, I th- I'm sure that this year we're going to start picking up. But last year, in my industry anyway, it was kind of, you know...
0: Oh, especially you know. with the strikes and everything. I mean, that did not help.
1: It didn't. It didn't because it killed the industry for literally everybody out there. It wasn't just the actors that weren't working. When the actors don't work, everyone stops
0: working. It's like a, the Hollywood industry, or the film industry, I should say more accurately there's a lot of dominoes are in place and all you got to do is remove one of those dominoes and things don't fall like they should.
1: No. And we're still recovering. I'm still looking for work. It's been four months uh, since I left uh, Netflix and still trying to find that next job. I have joined a new company called Narwhal Studios, but we are actively trying to generate or get some work in right now. It's tough out there.
0: It's tough. And we'll see, because I know they're almost a rebrand of uh, a company people would know, which would be uh, Happy Mushroom.
1: That's true. They were Happy Mushroom. They've rebranded as Narwhal Studios, and they're still going to be doing what they always did do for, you know, series like The Book of Boba Fett and The Mandalorian and Ahsoka. They'll still be generating those gorgeous backdrops that look photo real, you know, when Boba Fett is in his back to tank and you've got those curtains blowing in that room. All that is
0: fake. All fake. Speaking of Boba Fett, and we'll get to the next part of the show here on the green jet ski podcast with Mark Anthony Austin, go to mark and on platforms like YouTube and Twitter and Instagram, Boba Fett, a N H S E. But you mentioned Boba Fett. There's going to be a new Mandalorian and Grogu movie. Apparently season four is not happening. They're done on Disney Plus, but they're going to make a movie, which I'm excited about as long as it features the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, and Grogu. That's what I want. Don't give me something else. But do you think Boba Fett's going to appear in the movie?
1: I mean, I'm biased. So, of course, I'm going to say yes. I mean, I have to. I, I, I cannot get enough. I, I'm just a, an image bounty hunter so i i go out there looking for images that inspire me and you know every picture of boba fett every new picture of boba fett i just like i said becomes a brain tattoo
0: i Uh, think it would be a great and i asked because i think it would be a great opportunity obviously the book of boba fett which you just mentioned and everybody wanted it to be great it wasn't as great it wasn't horrible but it wasn't as awesome as people were hoping but when they took the character of Boba Fett in the iteration of the Mandalorian show everybody loved him I mean he was amazing I mean he was just no holds barred I want to see that on the big screen and I think they have a chance at redemption here
1: yeah I'd le- definitely want to see him doing more uh, bounty hunting mm-hmm. uh, less Daimu services and more going out there and bounty hunting that's that's why I'm hoping we see Boba Fett do now that he's resurrected yeah we- Seen him bounty hunt yet? You know, so far he came out the Sarlacc and he's quite
0: happy. He's been very happy being he likes being peacekeeper apparently. Boba Fett's a diplomat,
1: he does. I just want to see him in action like he was in
0: uh, episode
1: six of season two of Mandalorian.
0: Absolutely, and well, they're talking about they're they're weighing right now whether they're going to do both or they're only going to do one of a season two of Obi Wan or the Book of Boba Fett. I think if I had to choose, honestly I think I would I would want a second season of the Book of Boba Fett cuz I want to see them do it right.
1: I I agree. I I feel like there's a lot of um bad rap for Book of Boba Fett because everyone is very passionate about that character. I'm I'm glad that they stuck to a spaghetti western style story. Absolutely. Um I'm glad about that because that's his origins. Um but I would like to see him like, you know, visiting more planets, using more weapons, doing what, you know, we all know and love him to do, which is bounty hunt and use his wits, you know, in a very kind of clever way to track down and bag that, you know, bounty. But um, fingers crossed, fingers crossed.
0: And I don't want to see him on the back of a bantha. I want to see him in his ship just blowing people up. That's what I want to see.
1: I, you cannot get enough of that ship.
0: No, it, uh, arguably, I would say the two greatest ships in the Star Wars universe are the Slave One and the Millennium Falcon, hands down. End of story. I uh,
1: might have to agree with you there. Yeah.
0: And I have a very, I have a sub ship that I like. I actually like the Snow Speeders from Empire Strikes Back. I just think they're really cool looking. See, my guilty pleasure is the
1: Wire Wings. I just love the Wire Wings. I don't they're know. What-
0: Those are pretty neat. And now on the Green Jet Ski Podcast, we're going to shift gears. So we talked a little bit about that Mark does not like Rebel Moon and that Zack Snyder just didn't really step it up. But we're going to... I have a mission. I'm going to try to at least get Mark to see it one more time and see if we can at least get a favorite scene or a favorite something out of him. We'll see. We also talked about the cancellation, unfortunately, of Rabbit Hole. Weir is not going to see a season two. Breaks my heart a little bit. If you want to check out that article, I'll link it in the description uh, it, it's an interesting read and why there's so little from Paramount is, uh, is beyond me, but I will miss the show. And uh, we've talked a little bit about the book of Boba Fett, but now we're going to turn to something that, uh, I, I always kind of put his feet to the fire on. We're going to go back to bond. Still no news on, on who the next James Bond is going to be. But I was thinking because I saw a preview, still have not seen the movie of the beekeeper starring Jason Statham. And yes, I know he's not a new face. He's not a, He is not a fresh face. But he could provide a kind of bond, very similar, very rugged, like Daniel Craig did. And then I found an article, I will link that as well, that if you go to it, it's on The Guardian. And the headline is pretty cool. It says, Jason Statham, do I want to be the next James Bond? Absolutely. So I'm not going to say that he's got a strong shot but i know he's interested mark what are your thoughts on that he's been in some great movies
1: he has uh, i mean i love him as an actor he would bring a more kind of rugged kind of side to bond a more kind of uh i don't know more cockney definitely <laughs> uh uh-huh. but i don't know it might be a refreshing refreshing start for for Bond I mean we do need something if you're going to make a change from Daniel Craig then make a change you know
0: well I would Um, say too I mean you had I mean there were reasons but you had George Lazenby who only did one Bond film so I don't see why I mean this is how my mind works I don't see why they couldn't get an older actor like Statham who still does great work and say okay you know what we're going to do one movie with you (laughs) and maybe you get an amazing director like you get a Christopher Nolan who people have wanted to have direct a James Bond movie, and you pair them together and you do a one-off and you do a great James Bond movie. I think that'd be pretty cool.
1: I mean, if you're going to get a great director behind it, then you know someone like Nolan who does deliver a great story, uh, you could put anyone in as Bond and it's going to be a great movie. So I, I don't know. i I'm, I would be interested to see that.
0: I thought – I was just – I was thinking about it because if you haven't seen the preview of Beekeeper, I would – Say, check it out. It looks like a really great action movie. But it got me thinking. I said, Yeah, he's older, but you know what? He could pull it off. And people, not just myself, I know several others that said Daniel Craig's bond is, yeah, Connery, he was the first. So he's always going to hold a place in people's hearts. You and I grew up with Roger Moore, love the gadgets. He was great too. But I know a lot of people that said Daniel Craig, Mark that's their favorite iteration of bond. And I think this could be a similar version of that.
1: I think that I'd love to know what, uh, Jason's secret is because he doesn't seem to age exactly. if you look at him right. now, 20 years ago. There's no difference. There's no difference. So, uh, I definitely feel like he could jump into the bond suit and pull a, a good movie off. So I'd be interested in that for sure. And I didn't ever mind. Uh, I didn't notice you say Lazenby. I, I thought it was Lazenby, but uh, I loved George Lazenby in that Bond movie. That I thought was a great Bond movie. A lot of people kind of give it a thumbs up. I down. think it's
0: underrated. I think it's very underrated.
1: I think it's a great one. I think it's a, a great, great movie. It's different, has its own style and, and feel, but I was entertained from beginning to end. So I wouldn't mind if they did a one off with uh, Jason, not at all.
0: Yeah, George Lazenby, you're correct. So I misspoke. But uh, no, and then you had Telly Savalas as Blofeld, which was an amazing casting. Uh, The whole ski scene, action sequence was great. And I'm not going to spoil it. It's an old movie, but I'm not going to spoil it for people. It ends probably the most unique way, other than the last James Bond movie, No Time to Die, but it does end in a very unique way, which I appreciate. Very artistic.
1: It does. And um, I can't say anything because I'll be giving away the spoiler. But uh, yeah, it's the only time that's ever been in the James Bond movie that, that they approached that.
0: But I find it in- interesting. So I, I had this theory in my head. Hey, he would be a great Bond. And I didn't expect to find anything. It was yesterday right before. Actually, we were supposed to record this interview a day earlier. And I had a power outage at the main complex here. Couldn't get it back up in time. But right before I was supposed to record with you, Mark, I was like, okay, I'll just do a quick search. I'm not going to find anything. Statham has expressed that he would absolutely do James Bond. I think that's pretty cool. Again, regardless of whether it happens or not, just to know that he's got an inkling of a chance, I'm going to hold out hope. So I am changing my pick from Henry Cavill to Jason Statham. I got to give him a little bit of support. If any of the producers and the Broccolis are listening, let's get Jason Statham as the next James Bond please.
1: Okay. I'll back you up on that as well.
0: Oh, wow. So you're going to, so are you changing your pick as well?
1: I, I I never did kind of find anywhere. I was happy landing and I wouldn't mind a one-off with Jason or two off with Jason. I, I I'd be into that.
0: Yeah. Because then, you know, at the age that he's at, although he looks, you know, like he's 25, you're really only talking about maybe five to six years of, of his career and of his life. And I think that's very doable when you're looking at it from a movie making process, instead of taking well over a decade, like Daniel Craig did, you're only doing one or two films. And I think that's something that it could be considered.
1: Well, you have to also consider that Daniel took James into a very physical character. That's very true. Very physical, lots of running, lots of fighting, scrapping. So this is what people have come to expect of James Bond now. So you're going to need someone that is going to be capable of replicating that kind of physicality and Jason can do that. So,
0: yeah. And that's something that I, I I enjoy about his movies. Hobbs and Shaw is another uh, action series. that's from the fast and furious franchise. I enjoy watching him in uh, alongside of the rock Dwayne Johnson. And I am thinking that this is a direction they could go in. Might not, probably not, but, it's interesting to hypothesize.
1: I don't know. It's got my vote. So if you need someone to back you up, I'm here for you.
0: Okay. Well, Eon, you've heard it from Mark Anthony Austin. You've heard it from Boba Fett. He is backing me up right here on the Green Jet Ski podcast. Let us make it happen. Jason Statham, 007. I love it. Mark, uh, uh, so I know you got a holiday card the last time we we talked before we leave here, talking about an obstacle overcome for, and you, you read it here on the show, for... Doing no disintegrations. Go to no disintegrations to see season one of the ma- the amazing show starring Boba Fett. Any other holiday cards? Maybe a Valentine saying, "Hey, another obstacle overcome. We're getting really close." I got to know.
1: I haven't received any further information or kind of uh, promises that season two is going to happen. But I mean, it's been it's it's so far along in the writing because I've already read all twenty two episodes. read 22 episodes of season two and we did uh i just kind of read through together Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and we gave minor notes and that was over a year ago so it's too much work to be too much work invested to not now make the second season so i
0: i'm assuming it's going that it's going to happen i just i I like knowing when things are getting closer it does it, it makes me excited so I will ask you then, so it isn't any closer, but it is It is in the works, which is good, and we'll keep asking you. But reading the Season 2 scripts, how would you say it compares to Season 1? How is it different? If people okay. have se- seen Season 1, they'll know.
1: It's way different. Uh, it's going to still have that feel of Season 1, but in Season 2, they actually do have a narrative now. So each, if you watch all the episodes in Season 2, one off the other... There is an overlying story arc to the whole season, so we've. It's definitely going to have segments that are reminiscent of season one, but we are going to diverge in that we're going to have other characters appear. Okay. In certain episodes in season two, so you might see some other characters, not just Boba Fett, but he might be actually talking to somebody, and you see them on the uh the you know very cool transmission screen. So yeah, so it, the main, main things is it has an overall uh, arc in storyline.
0: Very nice. Very nice. Uh, are there any, cause I, I know certain TV shows, certain star Wars shows also do this. Are there any connections to season one where people can say, okay, I remember that. And you guys kind of continue it in season two.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's definitely Exciting. like, yeah, we definitely pay an homage to the first season. The first season did get kind of very specialized in its, humor in that it targeted those uber uber fans that know all those tiny details mm-hmm. um, have made a conscious effort to kind of open it up to more of like the mandalorian audience so uh you, w- you won't have to know all those tiny details like you might have to for some of those gags to hit home in the first season um it's going to be a bit more general in the second season but uh, i think it's better
0: well, it's obviously the way we know this much.
1: This is the way
0: this is the way. Well, uh, what would you like to leave the show with? We're wrapping up here on the green jet ski podcast, Mark Anthony Austin, go to markanthonyaustin.com If you'd like to contact him in any way, he's on the socials, Boba Fett, a N H S E. Anything you'd like to leave with Mark, what you're looking forward to, maybe there's a movie out or coming out you'd like to see, or maybe you'd like to share something about your, I know your painting process? Have you given any more thought to doing the blue wash?
1: Uh, I'm still debating doing that blue wash. Funny you mentioned that. I'm still debating it. If I hadn't got so caught up uh, trying to do some uh, side projects to try and generate some work, then I would have definitely dragged that canvas out and at least tested it in the corner. But I have bought, I have bought the, uh, it's kind of a, it's not really an acrylic paint, it's more like an acrylic ink, okay. so it should be like a wash. Uh, I'm going to be very cautious with it because I don't want to destroy Well,
0: think- it, it's taken you so long, and it's uh, honestly, and, and if you go to his socials, you'll actually see the painting. It is a gorgeous shot of Han Solo and 3PO in front of the Millennium Falcon, and you'll see why he's debating because it's been a lot of work, and it already looks spectacular, but you want to give it that more authentic feel color-wise on how it looks with the the film, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. The the film has this nice blue kind of tinge to all of the hop scenes, especially the interior hop scenes have this nice blue kind of feel. And I've seen, you know, it just happened that the uh the image that I grabbed that I used to paint it was much higher resolution, but it didn't have that wash. And so the less you know, the lower resolution image I had had that nice feel, but it didn't have the detail I needed to paint it. So, yeah, I am definitely still considering, but it should happen soon. And when it does, I would definitely post that online.
0: And you can see that in other postings, Boba Fett, A-N-H-S-E. Mark, thanks for joining us on the Green Jet Ski podcast, my friend. As always, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Maybe just give us a little bit of Boba Fett heading out. You're no good to be dead. And that's why uh, we keep him alive right here on the show. My, uh, I stay alive, he stays alive, and the audience stays alive. It's a beautiful thing. Mark, we'll see you next time. Thanks for dropping by.
1: Thank you, Noah. See you next time.
0: Noah here at the Green Jet Ski Podcast. MarkAnthonyAustin.com.